I want you to imagine for a second that you're driving in the car with your 85-year-old mother and on the radio comes a song from way back in the day that she knows every word to. And then you start chatting with her and you're like, Mom, how do you know this song? And she goes, well, the first time I ever got stoned was to a song like this. And you're like, what? That's the kind of songs and the experience that we hope to bring you week to week when my good friend Phil Anderson and I sit around sharing songs, uh, presenting them to you and talking about the greatest song you've never heard. Uh, good day to you, Phil. Thank you. And I'm really glad that was the road you went on instead of, oh, yeah, this is the song that my ex-boyfriend and I in the back seat. <laughs> no, you went... Yeah, I went a little milder. My my mind is not quite so, as perverted as yours, let's be honest. But see, I don't know. I think <laughs> the others, not just me. Anyway, we are showing way too much a personality of Phil right now. Because mm. we don't want people to get the wrong idea. Welcome to Psychotherapy <clears throat> Podcast. Psychotherapy. By the way, last week had a song that was parapsychological. Yes. That is, I, I looked at the word and all I saw was parap. Yes. Because, right? Psychological starts with a P. And, and every time I heard parapsychological, anyway, so listen last week and, and pick up on parapsychological and philosophical and Phil's osophy. Are Ooh. you the very model of a modern, modern major general? <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the greatest song you never heard podcast. I'm Chris, my buddy Phil here. Uh, if you don't know, if you've never listened before, uh, we get together on a weekly basis and we share a song that we go, why is this song not like a huge, huge, huge hit that everybody knows? Because it's such a phenomenal song. Uh, we deep dig deep into our old uh, iTunes libraries, sometimes even pulling out old records and, and, and in Phil's case, a few eight tracks here and there. Uh, and we dig in deep uh, and pull these songs out, present them to you. When the other one of us hears it, we don't have a clue all we got is a lyric sheet. So I today will be experiencing this song just like you. The only difference is I'll be able to see the words uh, as they come out of the singer's mouth. Phil, what do we need to know about today's top one million classic? First of all, wasn't a big fan of eight tracks because it did not matter where in the song it's true. it flipped. It's true. It would it would flip in the middle of a song because there were it was looped eight whatever. So right. not a big fan of eight tracks. You know what I learned this week? When um, a record uh, like a, an LP, a big LP, yeah. is played, forty uh, fives actually have better sound quality fidelity than third than long play records do. Interesting. And as the songs get closer to the center of the record, right. there's less information per revolution. Right. So the closer. fidelity actually gets worse towards the inside. So the last song on an album is actually the worst fidelity, quality, fidelity, uh, rather than the first or the, the first song on the second side, which is an interesting thought when you think about big songs that finish albums like A Day in the Life from right. Sgt. Pepper and those kind right. of things. Isn't that fascinating to think about? So it's interesting because... This is not the first time this week that the subject of a 45 has been brought up. That is correct. I actually texted Chris, hey, any chance you own a 45 record? He's like, I do not. <laughs> nope. I got, a, I got a turntable and all kinds of LPs, but no 45s. So Shelly pulled out this little portable battery powered record player. What? From way back in the day. They had batteries back when you were a kid? Yes. Just came out just before 8-track tapes. Was Ben Franklin <laughs> working in it those days? 
Oh, it's back when I had hair. Oh, too. Okay. yeah. Mm. So um, I got some batteries, put it in, but I can't find my 45s anywhere. So I'm like, I just need one to test it. Oh, and uh, so I went to a local store that uses 45s to melt into bowls. I'm like, uh, can I just buy a couple for 99 cents? And like, okay. Oh my gosh, this is the funny. <laughs> and, but but a 45 has uh it's basically the rim yes on it it, it doesn't really get too far in the middle that's where right. i was going with well this, and there's yeah. and they're spinning at a higher rate a higher so rate, there's yep. more information per revolution something like 45 uh revolutions per minute yeah somewhere yes. around there yeah. a couple of years ago i picked up an album that was originally only released on cassette and cd and reissued on vinyl but it was reissued on the 40 on 45 so it mm. looks like a big giant lp oh, there's yeah. four uh, two discs, two records, but it looks like a, a regular LP, but it's at 45. Interesting. And it's fascinating. And I thought something was wrong with it because it was too fast. Oh, okay. Like everything was pitched up and I'm like, this is stupid. And then I found out on my turntable, there's a little mechanism. You can turn that down. So um, do you know how many revolutions uh, the long play? The 33 and a third? Yes. Do you know how I know that? <laughs> well, I'm just glad you said a third. So a, a number of ways I know that. But one of them is the very last TV special the monkeys ever did was called... 33 and a third revolutions per monkey. Oh, that's very funny. Yes. And you know, I have a stack of 78s at home. You do? I do. I can't play them because I don't have a turntable right. that plays 78 speed. But uh, those are getting to be more and more valuable. Yeah. And they're they're not, I don't think they're on vinyl because <laughs> they break really easy. No, they're a different substance. They're, they're not vinyl. They're... Um... Oh, I used to know the name. I'll think of it while we're doing the show. Uh, so real quick story before yeah. we get into the song today. I I wanna hear the speaking song. of the show. Um, I, so my, my sister-in-law got a turntable for Christmas and she didn't have any records. So we went over there around Christmas time. I brought some with me and we played them. So her birthday's in January. So my wife was like, hey, let's get her an album for Christmas. And I'm like, well, what was her favorite album growing up? And it's this old Amy Grant album. Uh, Turns out it's one of the most obscure Amy Grant records you could buy because it was in that transition between right. albums and CDs and those mm. kind of things. And so I had to find it on a website and order it from some dude in Pennsylvania. It took a month to get here. It's like 80 bucks. Yes. But the funny thing is when the guy sent it, then this guy sends... Like at the, on the website that I was on, if you're looking for old vinyl, by the way, it's called Discogs, D-I-S-C-O-G-S. Okay. You can buy any album you want there in any condition, like wow. good to, to, to not good. Uh, anyway, so it comes in the mail and it weighs way too much. And I was like, well, this is weird. And I opened it up and the dude included two other albums to like sandwich it in so that it would be safe. That's very cool in and of itself. One of them is this 60s um like trumpety lounge music from a guy named Sugar Lips. Wow. And it sounds like all the songs you would hear in the like early 70s in a grocery store. And I kept it and I didn't give it to her because it's so good. It's so cheesy and so amazing. So I actually picked up maybe six of the 45s. Kind of like, well, if I'm going to pay for it, maybe I'll notice, I'll recognize the song. And one of them was Wildwood Weed by Jim Stafford. Oh. If you know that one. I don't. <laughs> So there's one song that you'll, the greatest song you'll never hear that you'll never hear on this podcast because I just blew it. That's true. Tell us about today's greatest song. Oh, today's song. Um, we have actually already played uh, the vocalist. Actually, it's not the vocalist. I, I take that back. He started this band, but I don't want to say too much. I'm already giving away half the show. Uh, I love this song and it was between two songs from this band. One from 1975 and one from this year. I mean, oh. the year that I'm playing, not two, 2022, but the year that this one was produced. Okay. Yeah. 
Not this year. Okay, I'm just Let's trying just, to climb out of this hole. Should and we was, dive right in? Please. <laughs> Right. 
slow clap note super slow clap you know had, had i been really on it on this one i would have set this up as do you like it soft and low chris well i was going to say this is the most suggestive song that we've ever done on this show it is really suggestive and that's saying something because we've had prince well yeah but that was not a suggestive song <laughs> that he did speaking of which one of my first thoughts was uh some of these lyrics would would very much line up for a Prince song as far as yeah. like the subject suggestiveness yeah. of them. Uh, I was I was laughing the whole time the when double I double entendres. Li- well, not even double entendres. <laughs> when you're like, how long is this ride? How long can you last? I'm right. Like, this is Prince only in Texas. Right. Exactly. But the thing is, um, there's a lot at play in this song. Yes. In, with what you said, yes, very suggestive, but. I mean, you've got a, a guy who's like all cocky. Yeah. And you're like, here's my sister. <laughs> oh, great. And who's given who, you know, the ride. Right, right. Yeah. That's what I love about this is that you you're underestimate. giving your sister a ride? <clears throat> <laughs> I'm going to finish my beer now. <laughs> oh, so I'll tell you my, while you're doing that, I'll tell you some of my thoughts. Um, first off, the production on the vocals is terrible. It's, it's super like... Um, uh, tinny and a lot of high-end stuff and not a lot of depth to it. Um, I didn't like the production on the vocals. Um, this is a great example of people don't know there's a difference between Texas country music and Nashville country music. Right. A yeah. huge difference. Yep. And most of the Texas country people are people you've never heard of. Uh, so there are going to be a bunch of bands that play locally in Texas. They do music very similar to this or and it could be different too. But um, this is Texas country like all day long. Uh, it reminded me of a song that I would hear in the TV show uh, I've started watching uh, this year called Yellowstone. Have you seen Yellowstone? Yes, we saw the first episode and we loved it. So good. And then I'm like, let's do the next. And now we have to pay for it. Mm. What the heck? Yeah. Don't tell anybody. But I'll give you my login. Um, so <laughs> just kidding. Um, so anyway, they, uh, it reminds me of a song you'd hear in Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. It's a very good modern take on a traditional country feeling song. Uh, there's a lot of entendre and innuendo, which is like classic old school country. Um, the, the, I, my guess is this was a, like a mid to late 80s song is my guess just because of the way that it's uh produced uh, i have a couple of things that i go back to when i'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out when a song was produced right um and one of them is the vocals and the way they were produced the tightness of the snare drum uh, the fact that the snare drum is tuned up really high as opposed to like the beatles version in the 60s um so my guess is it's it's early 80s but i think i'm gonna you're gonna tell me it was wrong it's probably the 2000s but you mentioned the 70s uh so i have no clue who did this song i have no clue why i've never heard it the guitar the, the lead guitar in this is spectacular. It's one of those, um, you I, like, I don't care. If you're just being like honest and, and, and put aside your preconceived ideas about country music, right. 
there are some phenomenal musicians in country music, and that dude who's playing the guitar is one of them, which makes me think it's Charlie Daniels. Well, it's not Charlie Daniels. Uh, here's the thing. Um, it, they've got some little subtle organ in here yeah. that I really love, and the, the way they lead into, um, I think, the chorus, where, you know, that, that whatever it is, I love yeah. that. The piano, Billy Payne, love the keyboard player. Okay. I'm going to play you a song um, that I almost went with. Okay. That I'm pretty sure you know. Not yet. Here you go. Never heard the song. Really? Wait for it. You gotta remember, I was five when this song came out. Mickey Gilly. Got no clue. Nothing? Okay. Never heard that song before. So, uh, the backing vocals on that song uh, had Linda Ronstad. Okay. Uh, Linda was everywhere. Yeah. In the seventies. That was a 75. This is little feet. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Billy Payne on keyboards. We did a Lowell George song a while ago. Yeah. He was the lead singer of little feet. Okay. And they were very much more like what you just heard. Okay. A little Southern rock, but when the band split up, um, through creative differences and probably because Lowell George was just super strung out and just not being a good bandmate. Right. Uh, they split up and they came back together without him because I think he died. <clears throat> so he couldn't be in the band, but, um, well, he could, he just couldn't contribute. <laughs> well, that's right. Um, Billy Payne and a, a, a guy, uh, Barrier, Barrier is his last name. Um, kind of started running the band and Billy Payne's piano player, which I love his style. But he's more jazz influenced and the guitar player is a little bit more um, uh, solid uh, Texas rock or Southern rock. So it took a little bit of a turn. You can hear the difference just in the styles of music on those two songs. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is off an album called Representing the Mambo. (laughs) From Perfect. And and I'm going to go with 1990, even though there are some... Uh, places, sources that say this was released in 89, which would mean you're a little bit more right with the late 80s. But I I need to go 90 because then you're less (laughs) Well, it would would have been recorded in at least 89 then. Yeah. Yeah, I was right. This is one of those songs that uh, I listened to the first time and loved it. Mm. And again, because I'm musically driven as opposed to lyrically. Yeah. But lyrically on this, you're right. There's very, uh, very suggestive lyrics, but... Wait, excuse the pun, but when you strip it all down, yeah. um, it is a, a guy that's a little too arrogant trying to pick up on this. Uh, how, how Texas Twister. Meet my, meet my young sister. She's a little young do and high strung, right? Well, do you think this song gets released today? You know, um, it depends. Uh, I think some rappers could do this and people would applaud them. Hmm. Because they live by different standards, seemingly. Hmm. And again, we say no politics, but the, I, I think you're right on a certain level, depending on who releases it. Right. Well, it's it's like uh, 
there's a, a young girl, Get Out of My Mind, from the 60s. Right. Uh, there's a song. Uh, the Monkees did a song, actually, called I Know Everything Comes Back to the Monkees for Me. But they did a song called If I Ever Get to Saginaw Again. Mm. And it's literally a song about the the singer of the songs. like, yeah, I found a girl there. She was underage. We fell in love. She got pregnant. <laughs> I got run out of town by the cops. If I ever get to Saginaw again. And I can't imagine why the bubblegum group of the 60s, the, the monkeys were never allowed to release that song. It's a really good song, too. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the thing is, there are things that happen in life. And many of these things are not cool. Right. And they still happen. And we can either, um, you know, brush them under the carpet, not talk about it. They're still going to happen. Doesn't make it right. But you're describing the Macarena. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. Ask any rock and roller yes. why they got into music mm-hmm. and what are they going to say? The chicks. Exactly. That never changes. Yeah. And and you could take that for anything in notoriety, right? Right. For for men, it's because they can attract women. Yeah. And uh, that's just the way we are wired. So this is from Little Feet? This is from Little Feet, yeah. 1989. Yeah, 1989, 1990, yeah. Okay, depending on which record store you're going to. Whichever resource source I'm looking at, yeah. It's called uh, Texas Twister. Awesome. I, You know, I did like this song. I liked it a lot, actually, because I'm a big fan of Texas country, but not uh, any basically anything that sounds like it was recorded after 1980, I don't love. Anything pre-1980 country music-wise, dude, I'm down with all day long. But here's the thing. They were, I don't believe they were considered a, um, a country band. They, I mean, they did have that flavor. This was the last album that was recorded on Warner Brothers. They hmm. were with Warner Brothers for 20 years, and this is the last one, and then hmm. they went elsewhere. Well, this is pre... I mean, it's funny because if you want to talk about why this song was never like a big hit, uh, if you think back to the late 80s, early 90s, um, country music was not in fashion Mm-mm. by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, uh, you know, you had the Kenny Rogers era, Dolly Parton era of the yeah. early eighties, yeah. uh, where people were finally like an urban cowboy, mm, you know, those right. kind of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that stuff all just fell away to synthesizers and cocaine and not in that order. hip hop, yeah. not hip hop, but like R and B stuff, Bobby Brown. Yeah. And so by the time 1989 comes around, I could see where a record label would be like, Hey guys, no one's, no one's buying this. Yeah. Sorry. These guys were a collection of really good musicians that, and and this happens all the time, that just kept butting heads and all of this stuff. They mm. broke up numerous times and got back together and things like that. Right. But this did have a release. Uh, um, uh, release as a single? No, it was. And it had good rotation on MTV. Really? Yes, they had a really good video that went along with it. But I, Wow, I have to look that up because but, I've spent a, a large portion of my youth watching MTV when they played music videos. Right, and so doing the research, because I always try to make sure that the song that I really like, that bring that uh, I bring to the table that I think is not a popular song, right. I go and double check to make sure it's at least not one of their top 10. Yeah. This does not, either of the songs that I just played, not in the top 10. So, so yeah. Funny story that my, uh, my daughter Riley listens to the show. And she Shout said, Riley. she said to me the other day, she goes, dad, every song you play, like the ones that I bring, right? she goes, I didn't know that those weren't like super popular, famous songs that That's everybody awesome. knew. I just assumed because they're such good songs. Everybody knew these songs because I right. grew up and listening we, to them as a kid. Exactly. And that's actually a compliment. Yeah. I, I think that's a huge compliment. It was. That's very cool. You know, and thank you, Riley, for listening. Thank you for, uh, to Brian for listening. Absolutely. And, you know, we still have uh, our, our friend Matt that listens. Who's you Matt? Know, Matt Sparkman. 
I don't know Matt Sparkman. You will. How will I know Matt Sparkman? Uh, the next time we we talk, not the next time, but the time after that, you'll know him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Absolutely. Do you want to tell people where they can? If you want to get in touch with us, you can just call us <laughs> at two zero six two one eight three six four seven two zero six two one eight thirty six forty seven. That's Phil's personal cell phone number. What's really funny is why I'd be so stupid to, to just try to trick you into trying to remember our social and all of this stuff. And I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> or you can just go to social, which on Twitter is uh, at G-S-Y-N-H podcast. Uh, the greatest song you never heard on Facebook. And of course, the greatest song you never heard dot com. And that's where people are going to ask us questions and that's true comment on some of these uh, yeah tell us what you think if you think we're wrong if you think one of these songs is like just a piece of garbage we would love to know that and I won't block you (laughs) Phil will block you because he's sensitive and insecure I am am not not. I am not sensitive (laughs) son of a bitch I quit and with that we'll see you next time on the greatest song you've never heard